Chapter 15 of the Narrative of Sojourner Truth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Narrative of Sojourner Truth by Olive Gilbert and Sojourner Truth. Chapter 15 Her Escape. The question in her mind, and one not easily solved, now was, how can I get away? So, as was her usual custom, she told God she was afraid to go in the night, and in the day everybody would see her. At length, the thought came to her that she could leave just before the day dawned, and get out of the neighborhood where she was known before the people were much astir. Yes, she said fervently, that's a good thought. Thank you, God, for that thought. So, receiving it as coming direct from God, she acted upon it, and one fine morning, a little before daybreak, she might have been seen stepping stealthily away from the rear of Master Dumont's house, her infant on one arm and her wardrobe on the other, the bulk and weight of which, probably, she never found so convenient as on present occasion, a cotton handkerchief containing both her clothes and her provisions. As she gained the summit of a high hill, a considerable distance from her master's, the sun offended her by coming forth in all his pristine splendor. She thought it never was so light before, indeed she thought it much too light. She stopped to look about her, and ascertained if her pursuers were yet in sight. No one appeared, and for the first time the question came up for settlement. Where and to whom shall I go? In all her thoughts of getting away, she had not once asked herself whither she should direct her steps. She sat down, fed her infant, and again turning her thoughts to God, her only help, she prayed him to direct her to some safe asylum. And soon it occurred to her that there was a man living somewhere in the direction she had been pursuing, by the name of Levi Rowe, whom she had known, and who, she thought, would be likely to befriend her. She accordingly pursued her way to his house, where she found him ready to entertain and assist her, though he was then on his deathbed. He bade her partake of the hospitalities of his house, said he knew of two good places where she might get in, and requested his wife to show her where they were to be found. As soon as she came in sight of the first house, she recollected having seen it and its inhabitants before, and instantly exclaimed, that's the place for me, I shall stop there. She went there, and found the good people of the house, Mr. and Mrs. Van Wagener, absent, but was kindly received and hospitably entertained by their excellent mother, till the return of her children. When they arrived, she made her case known to them, they listened to her story, assuring her they never turned the needy away, and willingly gave her employment. She had not been there long before her old master, Dumont, appeared, as she had anticipated, for when she took French leave of him, she resolved not to go too far from him, and not putting him to as much trouble in looking her up, for the latter he was sure to do, as Tom and Jack had done when they ran away from him, a short time before. This was very considerate in her, to say the least, and a proof that, like begets like. He had often considered her feelings, though not always, and she was equally considerate. When her master saw her, he said, Well, Belle, so you've run away from me. No, I didn't run away. I walked away by daylight, and all because you had promised me a year of my time. His reply was, 
you must go back with me. Her decisive answer was, no, I won't go back with you. He said, well, I shall take the child. This also was stoutly negatived. Mr. Isaac S. Van Wagener then interposed, saying, he had never been in the practice of buying and selling slaves. He did not believe in slavery, but, rather than have Isabel taken back by force, he would buy her services for the balance of the year, for which her master charged twenty dollars, and five in addition for the child. The sum was paid, and her master Dumont departed, but not till he had heard Mr. Van Wagener tell her not to call him master, adding, There is but one master, and he who is your master is my master. Isabella inquired what she should call him. He answered, Call me Isaac Van Wagener, and my wife is Maria Van Wagener. Isabella could not understand this, and thought it a mighty change, as it most truly was from a master whose word was law, to simple Isaac S. Van Wagener, who was master to no one. With these noble people, who, though they could not be the masters of slaves, were undoubtedly a portion of God's nobility, she resided one year, and from them she derived the name of Van Wagener, he being her last master in the eye of the law, and a slave's surname is ever the same as his master, that is, if he is allowed to have any other name than Tom, Jack, or Guffin. Slaves have sometimes been severely punished for adding their master's name to their own, but when they have no particular title to it, it is no particular offense. End of chapter 15